Welcome to Ram Nation Radio, episode number four. Michael, a full month of podcasts. Holy crap. I thought we might be doing maybe once per month, but uh, the feedback has been overwhelming. It's been great to hear from former players. It's been great to hear from old friends. So the uh, the demand is calling for us to, to stay on our uh, target for weekly schedule of these. So um, I'm Joel Calamessa, founder of RamNation.com. I'm joined by Mike Rowe. Uh, not the guy from Dirty Jobs Show, but uh, the longtime RamNation.com poster, community member, Cam's Chorizo. Joey Barron usually joins us. He might join us uh, a little bit later. He's got uh, dad duty. Anyway, Michael, hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm looking at, uh, we're on Zoom. We usually record these on Zoom, and I'm looking at his background here. He's got a sweet little uh, neon Ram sign and a shelf full of cups from road games and there must be 30 of them up there yeah those are from all of our mlb road trips as well as our college football road trips so yeah i mean i have cups from the 2002 ucla game when we took over a freaking bar at before and after moose mcgillicuddy's all the way to uh the stadium series at course field um four years ago for the avalanche how cool was uh, – I really liked that UCLA trip. It was really cool tailgating outside the Rose Bowl on a golf course. Oh, yeah, gosh. We, so we went to this – yeah, we went to a bar first and, and, and did that whole thing and then, then went to the Rose Bowl and just walking around on that golf course and just seeing how nice everyone was and everyone was ribbing everybody. And, dude, I'm surprised that we didn't hang out because – JB, your JB's little brother JB was with me yep, uh, on that trip. Yep. And, and uh, I have pictures with him on that trip. I'm, I am surprised we didn't hang out. We might have actually then. <laughs> right. We didn't exactly uh, know each other well then, if at all. But, uh, dude, he leveled this like 12 year old kid wearing a UCLA hat or helmet. The kid was wearing a helmet. And we're walking through the golf course, and he just form tackles <laughs> this twelve-year-old kid, and all that, all those kids' friends like ran over and gave JB a high five. I was like, "God, man, we're gonna get shot." He he was uh, he was a feisty kid, uh, and now he's like, "Oh, ah, no, he's a he's a he's a he's an adult uh, who acts like a kid now." But uh, yes, he's one of my favorites, the, yeah. the Ballard family, and uh, yeah, he that, is. That, a, uh, that reminds me. Yeah. I I haven't told this story. Oh, there's Willow. Hey, sorry about that. Hold on one second. So, so Willow just uh, jumped into the screen. Mike, uh, I got to congratulate publicly Mike and Tracy, who officially adopted uh, their daughter Willow uh, right before, actually right before our show last week. And, uh, she's the cutest little girl, and Mike and Tracy are great parents, and they drag her to all the football games, and she's uh, she's like an appendage on on Mike. And he's awesome. Welcome into a loving home, and pretty cool stuff. Uh, I wanted to preview what we've got coming up on this show. Darren Hall, wide receiver from the 1997-98 season. Uh, Darren Hall, I think, was one of the best athletes in CSU history. The guy played professional baseball. He was drafted three times by uh, once in Major League Baseball, once in the NFL, and in the XFL. Uh, he's going to be joining us and talking about the good old days and a bunch of other stuff uh, here in our second segment. Looking forward to that. I know you're going to love it. Uh, Mike's back. Uh, Sorry Mike, about that. 
Congratulations again on Willow. Oh, thanks. Yeah, she's covered in, uh, she's douched with mud from the creek. So she, she wanted to take a bath right now. So I had to take care of that. So you are a, a all-purpose multitasking dad. <laughs> so looking at your cups, where, pick, pick one that's uh, one, of your, uh, one of your top road trips. So just from going off those, the Wisconsin LSU game in Houston. That whole weekend, that was a weekend that I that Tracy and I got engaged. I asked her the morning of the Rocky Mountain Showdown while we were getting ready for tailgating. Uh, then we won the Rocky Mountain Showdown last time we did. Thanks a lot, Bobo. Uh, <laughs> and then we win, party all night, and then got on a plane the next morning to fly to Houston for the LSU-Wisconsin uh, game. A million degrees, uh, humid as hell, and oh, it was just awesome. Did they it was play where the Texans time. played? Yes, they had. They played at Reliant Field or whatever it is now. NRG or something? Yeah, had amazing seats somehow. Don't know how I pulled that off. Why did they play there? They did a, a home and away neutral site game. So LSU played there instead of New Orleans for whatever reason. And then the next year they played in Lambeau. And um, when we went LSU won, that was uh, Fournette's first first game as a uh, as a college player. Melvin Gordon had a great game for the Badgers, and LSU fans are awesome. I would do anything if CSU could play them. It would just be an unreal time. So we should look at their schedule uh, because if, and this is something I'll we'll talk a little more in depth on later, but. The California State University uh, system that includes San Diego State, San Jose State, and Fresno State has just said there will be no in-person learning this fall. So we're not sure what that means yet for athletics, but what happens if there's no California teams in our conference playing football this year? I think that it might be worth being proactive and looking at other teams across the country that also might be playing a California team on those weeks and try to schedule games, non-conference games or what have you. I don't know, but um, that's something we should, we should dive into. There's a lot of weird scenarios going on. Yeah, it's, it's definitely crazy. I know that the PAC 12 is already kicking around the uh, idea of, of only playing a conference schedule pushing back, canceling all their, their non-conference games and, and pushing back the start of the season to later in the fall. I think they, the California already announced that the Division II schools will not be playing sports this fall. Yep. Um, well, what's interesting is, is that uh, Mark Emmert, the, uh, whatever he is for the NCAA, has basically said he's going to allow the conferences to handle everything on their end because each – conference each region has different rules and legislations going on um yeah so a lot of weird scenarios where i saw i think it was texas a&m that is supposed to play usc on a certain day and they've already oh yeah that's what it was alabama alabama is supposed to play usc and they're looking for potential replacements um for that for that week so you know i hope that we're prepared for something like that too well yeah i mean whether it's we have uh, two Pac-12 teams on our schedule. And one of them, Oregon State, 
their governor has said there will be no crowds through September. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those. There's so many moving parts to this. You, you, you just don't know how it's going to fall right now. Joseph Barron. Joe just joined us. What the heck? I didn't think you'd be around for a little while. Joe, were you out in a windstorm? Do you have a Code 21 meeting? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Joey, thanks for joining us, bud. Yep, sorry I'm late. Had to do the work thing, pay the bills. Denzians, well, all the Denzians out there, you're a bunch of friggin' gobblers. You've been you're, on you're for making, 10 minutes, but you've you're, been you're speaking making, silently. You're making Kenilwa Mesa lose his hair, all you friggin' general board people. Yeah, the frig so you guys that, do, the frig you guys thing. doing that's, out there? What are you guys doing out news there? from this week, man. We had to blow up our general discussion board that we've had probably, I don't know, 10 years because it got a little out of hand. People just lose their minds when it comes to politics. And so our general board is gone for a little while. We'll probably bring it back at some point and, and just be a little more diligent with our monitoring of it. But uh, for now, we're gonna get back to the basics of having a community where people are not ripping each other apart and people are, uh, we, we're supporting the mission of, of bringing Ram fans together, not, not fighting us all, which is really kind of what that board was doing for a while now. Politics is, is a dividing topic and you can't disagree and be respectful about it. You have to be complete a-holes. Mike, I think I saw that you were in support of that move. Yeah, and I, I, I even remember saying this when, I mean, before the 2008 election, before, right before we started the, the, the GDB, when politics really started bleeding into the main athletic board. And at the time it was like, yeah, let's, let's give this off. Let's give everybody a chance to talk. But the partisan pot shots that just started happening even 12 years ago, it just gotten so much uglier. And, and again, yeah, you, there's, there's no room for discussion. Everything's, everything's gotta be so far right or so far left. It's just, it's sickening. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's gone. I, I wouldn't mind having a general athletics board where we could talk about NFL or soccer or the only other sports that matter instead of having something with politics. You know, it's just too dividing. Can we have a meat board where men meat, talk like about their how, meat? How to cook and smoke your meats? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Meat Mike, bag. Meat. Mike would, would be the king poster of that board. <laughs> Joe, I didn't, you didn't really spend a lot of time on the general board. Was that? Uh, I never. I don't. I don't get too political. I just See, try to have fun with people and stir the pot a little bit. And then I get off the thing. But that's I don't get the too problem deep. That, uh, that happened with that. And I said, look, man, I'll create this board, but my interest is in CSU athletics. Occasionally, I'll go over there, and if there's a topic that I want to post, great. But when it started getting real political heavy, I just was like, look, guys this is going to be very minimally moderated. So you're going to have to rely on pushing the report button and report anybody who's crossing the line. And instead of a lot of people doing that, I'd get emails like, see you later, I'm leaving. Hops Blues left a few weeks ago and he was a longtime visitor and that stinks. Um, Aggie ran or Aggie's, what's Aggie what's, 76. Yeah, Aggie, Aggie 76, whatever his handle is. He, he jetted off the other day and took a little shot at me. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I, I can't control what people say. I can moderate as much as I can, but I just had very little interest in spending time there. And so you would hope that people could act for all like Wild adults. West thing. What's that? I said you would hope that people could act like adults. 
you know, and treat each other with respect. That's the hope. And I think, I think the weakness that I had was that for many years, things were great, right? People did treat each other with respect, with respect. And the people that didn't were such outliers that I could get rid of them or they were just ostracized and no one would respond to it. But now if someone says something that offends someone, it's a freaking flame war and it just gets out of hand like nobody's business. So that was the big news of the week. Where did I jump in? What did you guys already cover? Um, we, we were starting to talk about Mike's favorite road trip. So what was your favorite road trip? Well, back in, uh, I believe it was the Kansas State game in San Diego, the Holiday Bowl. Uh, three Ram and I, along with about seven other guys, rented an RV in Denver. And within an hour of renting it, or half hour of renting it, we took it to somebody's house and painted it green and spray painted Go Rams and all that kind of good stuff on it. And Three Ram posted some pictures of it. That was, that was me about three chins ago. And uh, oh, that was a good trip. Kansas State, we've got our asses kicked. But we rented an RV, drove from Fort Collins to Vegas, <laughs> and then Vegas over to uh, San Diego. We, we parked in a public beach parking lot right there on the beach in San Diego. And uh, I believe in the morning, somebody tapped on the door and it was a cop with the billy clubs. Hey, you guys got to move. It was kind of funny. Like, you know, eight guys get out of the stupid RV, you know, eight college guys, you know, <laughs> the guys. And then, um, then we got over, then we couldn't get into the Jack Murphy lot, the Jack Murphy Stadium. So I'm dating myself there, right? Jack Murphy Stadium. I think it was before it was even Qualcomm, right? Jack and Murphy we, was the original, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we ended up at some bar up the hill. Uh, just east of San Diego or wherever. I don't even, I don't know where my directions are there, but anyway, we had a good time. And, but anyway, we were in the parking lot and I remember specifically when we left Denver, the lady who rented it to us or the rep, she says to everybody now, you can only have one or two people on top of the RV at any given time, what? you know, cause it, you know, cause it'll wait, you know, do we have pictures of at least 25, 30 people on top of the thing? And we uh, we stopped at one of the big box stores. I forgot what the name of it was in Southern California. It wasn't a Costco or a Sam's Club, but anyway, we we got like we just bought like a like a thirteen dollar hibachi grill, got some charcoal, and Miller Genuine Draft was just coming out at the time, or it was really popular at the time. And we uh, we bought I think at least I don't know seven or eight cases of beer. And we dumped it in the bathtub in the RV and we filled it with ice. And that was our uh, cooler. And I uh, just had a great time there. Even the cops came over to us, the LAPD or the uh, San Diego Highway Patrol or whoever it was, San Diego, whatever, what county is San Diego? Is it San Diego County or something? Anyway, uh, they came right to our RV and stuff and we took pictures with them. So what was that? Was that 96? Am I, is that 96? 95. 95? And uh, yeah, that's the game we uh, kind of got our ass to kid. I'll tell you though, Kansas State fans, I was not really too impressed with the K-State fans. I was more impressed with the Missouri fans and the Michigan fans, the two prior Holiday Bowls. But the K-State fans had a little bit of a little chip on their shoulder, the Bill Schneider gang there. They, you know, they come off as you know, little, little uh, you know, old Bill Schneider, old folk. But they were kind of, uh, kind of giving it to us, like, you know, the wax sucks, you guys suck, and that kind of stuff. So, but anyway. 
The uh, you remember the starting quarterback for K State? We knocked him out of the game, and then Pee Wee Herman comes in. The guy looked like Pee Wee Herman, and he freaking <laughs> just took it to us, bro. Just lit us up. That was just ridiculous. That was disappointing. You guys are, you guys are good with remember. What was it like? Forty-two, like 52. 52 to something. Twenty. Twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember we just got our butts kicked out. That was annoying. Uh, but, but that was my favorite road trip. And then obviously, you know, 2007, you know, down there, what we talked about in Ram Nation Radio session one there with the, uh, the tailgate. Mike, but, Mike's uh, holding up a Holiday Bowl 95 pennant. You were there too, Mike? No, I wasn't allowed to go. I was in trouble. I was, I was grounded. <laughs> Ooh, the parents <laughs> kept, you, kept you in the house. Because I, w- I went in 94 to the Michigan game, and I lied to my parents. I flunked a class. And uh, I didn't tell him. I was like, oh, no, I passed everything. My report card came when I was in in SoCal. And they opened it and found out I flunked. And so the next year, I was like, can I go? And they're like, nope. <laughs> You're coming home. Did you go to uh, the 97 Holiday Bowl? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was unreal. So, so- unlike you two, I was still in college. And uh, – ASCSU had set up a trip, $99. Ride the bus? Ride the bus from Denver to Denver to San Diego and back. Oh, my God. road trips. But uh, three nights at the Marriott on the Bay. We had pregame, tailgate, and postgame tickets, as well as game tickets, all for $99. Bucks. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a blast. We took Naramska, Riley. I mean, we – knew everybody on this bus. We kind of worked it out so that all our friends took over like one bus and it was just a party. Our bus driver was like, my job is to drive. Your job is to drink. And so we talked him into stopping at Dillon, Colorado to go to the liquor store and everybody's just bringing in cases and handles. And man, I mean, it was just one huge party. And then we win, and then one huge party back. So, oh, that was that was awesome. What was the year that one of the buses broke down? Wasn't there a year the buses one of the buses broke down? The student bus coming back or two? Wasn't that one of the Liberty Bowls? Oh, was I? I remember that story. I couldn't even imagine if that happened. You know, <laughs> if you're on that bus. Oh yeah, that would have been that would have been tough. Yeah, that would have been tough. There's a lot more sleeping on the way back on that bus trip than on the way there. <laughs> well, that's a great deal. Ninety-nine bucks. My gosh. Oh yeah, yeah. The amount of booze at the at the tailgate was it was it was a good time. It was a good time. When we talk to Darren, we'll get his perspective as a player from that '97 game. But that bowl win against a Big Twelve team, who I think was like number eighteen in the country, just went toe to toe with him. And Joe, you had mentioned the fans from K State were not your favorite. But I remember the players from Missouri talked a lot of crap all week leading up to the game and how CSU was in the whack and they're going to get trounced by the Big 12. And, you know, so there were like some confrontations, like there was a bowling event or something. And, you know, our players are going toe to toe with their players, you know, and yeah, yeah. that's what made that that game sweet. I remember towards the end of the game when we were winning some scrubs from the sideline who never play, who weren't even uh, in pads or in front of the ESPN cameras and pointing to the whack patch on their shoulder. 
and that was cool. I mean, the whack back then was really good. We were really good. And we, we did go toe to toe with them on the field. And Darren Hall, who's going to join us is, I think he's one of the best athletes CSU's ever had. I mean, yeah. the guy, the guy was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds. He played four years in the minor leagues, goes to mm. play uh, Juco ball, gets, gets signed by CSU. A speedster, man. He, he flies. Yeah. Then he gets drafted by the Titans. You know, his, his, his NFL career was short-lived. His XFL career was short-lived. I don't even remember his XFL career. Uh, I wonder if he played with He Hate Me. But, I was just uh, going to ask that. He no, <laughs> he played – he was he was drafted by the San Francisco Demons. But I don't even know uh, – I can't remember if he played that year or what happened. But anyway, the kid, he's just an athlete. And if you look at him now on social media, he's got some some organization called Hope in Athletics – and he, he's a personal trainer, I think. So we'll find out more about what he is. The guy's chiseled, man. And he's, oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's close to our age. He's probably your age, Mike. I hope he was younger than me. And he's just chiseled and probably is in good a shape now as he was in college. And the guy was a game changer on the football field. You know, I remember against you – know, he, he changed the game against Missouri in the Holiday Bowl. When we went to Michigan State, we were down 16 nothing. I don't even remember that, guys. But Esslinger hit him on this fly route down the sideline, and, and he got our first score on the board. And that was kind of what sparked the comeback and where we went into East Lansing and beat Michigan State. Yeah, they had that package. Like, I don't know if it was like a third. Like, if we were down inside like the 35 or like the 30-yard line, remember they would run that end around with him. They would just hand it off. They'd do a play action, and they hand it off to him coming around. And, dude, he would just book around the corner. And just he he had like that. Remember, like he was like he was like kind of tucked yeah. down a little bit and just yeah. book it, man. And when once he turned that corner, holy shit! It was like it was like going from first to first to home on a single. You know, it was absolutely fantastic. He uh, that he scored the first touchdown of the game in the Holiday Bowl on that play. Yeah, I just I was well, every time he got the ball, like you said, he was a game changer. You know, and he was small. Like he he was not a big guy. No, remember he he kind of did a little leap in the end zone, kind of jumped, um, even though he didn't have <laughs> yeah. to on that first touchdown. And some Missouri dude just clocked him. And the player, our players went to go pick him up. I remember I, and I watched the replay of that game once a year or so, but our players went to go pick him up and celebrate with him. And he was like kind of crouched down and like, you could tell he was hurting. So I don't know if he got the wind knocked out of him or what. But. So he wasn't big and that was kind of always, that was probably part of the reason why he couldn't stick in the NFL. But the, the guy could fly, man, and he was a he was a game changer at CSU. You know, I wonder, you know, just thinking about what you just said with some of like the athletes that we've had come through, you know, even the whack in general, why more of those guys, if they weren't if they weren't going to the NFL, wonder why more of them didn't get a shot in the CFL, especially like coming out of the whack. You know, it's a three down league up there in Canada and you know, a lot of those receivers, tight ends, even quarterbacks, you know, like Give it a shot. Play CFL for four or five years. You're not going to get a lot of money, but you're going to have fun for four or five years. You know, you can. So I don't know. My favorite player ever at CSU, Anthony Hill, played in the CFL. But you don't hear a lot of you don't hear about a lot of guys that do play up there. You're right, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Like even Manzel or uh, even Tebow. You know, suck it up and go up there. They can probably make a lot of money in endorsements. Screw the football. They're going to be good at it just like get endorsement. I don't know why 
you know, how like, could BVP not have played in the CFL? Oh man, well he was an announcer up there, wasn't he? A color commentator. He was. He was in Sky Sports. Oh, 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 oh. Yep. He was in England. Oh, okay. I thought it was CFL, but anyhow, but yeah, like BVP and uh, you know, even like uh, who were some of like the smaller quarterbacks that came out of like uh, Air Force, like D. Dallas. D. Dallas, amazing. You know, Bo Morgan. The last Air Force player I like, D. Dallas. But like even look at like like your guy Mike like Esslinger or you know somebody like that or even like Matt Newton like, I bet they could have made the team up there and played for five or six years you know well huh. you know uh, I don't know if you if you've ever read The Rock's autobiography or WWE autobiography but he he played before he got into wrestling he went to the CFL and he said it was the worst experience of his life like. You didn't get paid anything at all. Uh, it's that low, huh? Yeah, that you had to – like he said that he lived with like a couple other dudes and they like had to find mattresses in the alleys to uh, have something to sleep on. Like they just – they oh, didn't no yeah. money at all. Oh, wow. And he, yeah, he said – he I think he did one season there and said it was brutal. You know, it, I'd like – I would like to talk to Jake Bennett to see what his experience was like, because he played there last season. He played in the CFL last season, and it oh, was, okay. it was yeah. just announced earlier this week that he was retiring from the CFL. So it'd be it'd be cool to see what his perspective on it was. I just looked it up. Average salary is between eighty and eighty five thousand dollars in the CF in the CFL. And that's Canadian dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. What is that? What does that calculate out as? I don't know. Well, I think the exchange rate is like a dollar forty. Like our dollars worth a dollar forty up there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you look at somebody like Manzel. I mean, he already had endorsements. Yeah, he already had the money up front. Privilege. You know, Tebow, same with him. Or Kaepernick. I mean, they, they already have money. I mean, it wouldn't I don't I don't know. Because I remember I mean Joe Theisman came from the CFL. Warren Moon came from the CFL. There there started being uh Doug Flutie. You know, yeah. Doug Flutie was a Hall of Famer in the CFL before he came back and had a pretty productive career in the NFL. You know, it's it just one of those things. I um, I think it's changed a lot, and and just the power of the NFL has kind of diminished a lot of these other leagues. Hey, Mike, check out my shirt before we go to break here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I awesome. It. I awesome. And it still fit. It still fits on. Look at that. Look how this skinny. Is an, this is an look how skinny Shep is. It look how skinny be, you are. It used to be muscle that filled this shirt out, but look now it's you. fat. He, I, I tell you, Ram Nation. He's a Denzi. The Denzians out there. Joel. He's looking svelte over there. Look at I that. Got, I got my. It looks like it's 1993. Uh, championship that. shirt on. It's probably from 94 ish. Looking good, uh, brother. Yeah. Looking Hacienda, good. Hacienda. Shout out to my Hacienda brethren. I think we were 59 and two in flag football over my career. And we went to uh, Nebraska <laughs> for the Western Regional, swept that place, and qualified for the Nationals. Actually, we so here, what was it for? A, what was it for? Flag football or yeah, flag, flag football. football. We were oh, really nice. flag football in in CSU history. I'm going to slide and say. <laughs> but we did you guys draw, so did you guys draw plays in Clark A101 or we had three plays, uh, three plays, and we were just we were scrubs. We knew how to play together. We had a good quarterback, but anyway, we um. 
when we won every, we basically won every year. We won the championship at CCU every year. And then, so the director of intramural said, you know, there's this regional tournament you guys should go play in. And it was in Lincoln. So we all piled into my mom's minivan and we drove to Lincoln and we smoked all, we went five and zero oh there. And the way that they did it at that time, like instead of giving the winner of the tournament a automatic bid to nationals, they did a drawing. They said, okay, we're just glad that people came. We're going to draw out of the 20 teams that are here. We're going to draw a name out of the hat and you get to go all expenses paid trip. It was the dumbest thing ever. The next year they changed it and the winner actually got all expenses paid. But we went to CSU and we're like, look, we're like 59 and two all time. Do you think you could like sponsor us so we could go to New Orleans and play in this national tournament and represent <laughs> CSU? And they said, no. <laughs> it's like absolutely not we're not oh doing my. that so we we actually you know we didn't have money we were college students and we didn't yeah. know but anyway it's uh we always joke that uh one of these years we're going to self-erect a sign on the intramural fields called hacienda field is that was that the name of your team a hacienda we we had a, a good buddy on our team named andy heap brother of matt heap mike and his nickname was heap of shit and it was H. So HOS was his, his the the acronym for that, and we turned that into Haciendas, which is a misspelling of the real Haciendas. And anyway, that just kind of stuck as a nickname, and that was our nickname all through uh, all through college. And so, what other what other colleges did you guys uh, go up against and beat? Like any big? We time? played teams from Lincoln, uh, Nebraska, uh, wow. a couple a couple other teams. Like, like I remember, like there was a team from Doan. Stone College in Nebraska, I think they're from Nebraska, but they must have been used to some other rules because they were basically just laying us out every play, like full on contact. You oh, go wow. for a pass and they would just level you. And we we're like, flag, ref, flag, anything, nothing. And in the trenches, you know, we had guys that were like 150 pounds in the trenches because they're basically there for speed. All you gotta do was get in front of someone from grabbing your quarterback's flag they were just getting plowed over and we're like, you're not allowed to make contact. Anything went in that tournament, but anyway. Oh, that's a, that's a great story. I've never, yeah, I, Joey, I Joey, so the Haciendas used to always play the Sigma Pies and that's Naramska's fraternity. So I, I heard all the stories about Haciendas and we actually, <laughs> we actually played. So all the Sigma Pi, or half the Sigma Pi guys, we, we started a flag football team at DU for DU intramurals and we played the Haciendas I think in one year some of the older guys Joe I don't think you played Joel did you yeah we 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 played uh in in that DU league several years after college funny thing we, is go ahead we won that story. we won that league I just wanted to say um we split we split the uh, season series with the Haciendas but but we won we won the league so just wanted to bring that up Joel well we must not have been in that league when you played because we won it the two years that we played. But here's a funny story from that. And uh, Darren's going to be joining us in just a second. But we played a team that was quarterbacked by CU legend John Hessler. <laughs> yep. And he was so funny. Like, he – I don't know what it was if we because he knew we were CSU guys, but he was talking crap to us before the game. And he's like, you don't want to mess with me, man. I'm a snapper head. We're going to tear you apart. I'm like, dude, this is flag football. Anyway, we <laughs> oh, my up, God. We ended up um, pick-sixing him twice. 
and Andy, who our team was named after, I had one of the picks. He had the other one. And when he did it, he pick-sixed him and high-stepped it like Deion Sanders to the end zone. And, and Hessler <laughs> was not happy, man. It, it was almost a, a, almost a, a brawl between teams. And Oh, that's fantastic. I think the next year, Hessler had that accident. Yep. So really unfortunate. But oh, man. Dude, he, that, guy, that guy was a competitor. He had two pick sixes against us. <laughs> Our quarterback was, uh, gosh, who was the quarterback at Hawaii from Overland? Skinner. Skinner. Yeah, Skinner was our quarterback. Josh Skinner. Josh Skinner. He had the NCAA record for being sacked the most times in a game against Wyoming and then the next week in a half against CSU. That was the year that we beat him 63 to nothing. And I still have that ticket stub, and I wanted to get him and Moses to autograph it, the two quarterbacks <laughs> from that day. He, he didn't like that idea. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, I bet he wouldn't. Wow. I bet he wouldn't. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to welcome in Darren Hall here in one moment. Let me remind you guys that Ginger Baker is a tremendous sponsor. They've got the world-class facility in Fort Collins, best food, the best service, the best facility by far. I'm asking you that once this shelter at home lifts, when they open, please support Ginger Baker. They've got the best facility, service, atmosphere, food, drinks. Joe, Mike, I think you both have been there. I've been there. I love it. Great place. Great please place. Please support our sponsors. We'll be back after this with Darren Hall. All right, welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. This is segment two, and I'm really excited. Uh, this week's guest is Darren Hall. He's one of my favorite players from the 1997 and 1998 Ram football teams. He was a JUCO transfer who came in and added blazing speed to our receiving core. He was drafted three times, once by the Cincinnati Reds out of high school, played four years in the minor leagues. Then he was drafted by the Tennessee Titans in the sixth round of the, the 1999 draft. And then uh, also drafted by the San Francisco Demons in 2000, 2001, sometime around then. So three, a three-time draftee at CSU. He led the Rams in receiving as a senior, had 1,000 all-purpose yards. One of my favorite players, one of the best athletes, I think, in CSU history. D. Hall, welcome to our show. Hey, how you guys doing? How you guys doing? Thanks. I appreciate that, man. Hey, first of all, bro, so I, I, was, I was telling these guys in the first segment before you joined us, I see on Facebook, I see on Instagram, photos and videos of, you, videos of you, and you're around our age, Mike and Joey and I. Damn, bro, how are you staying in such good shape? <laughs> Man, it's these, young, it's these youngsters, uh, um, I try and keep up. You know, I always try and keep up, stay ahead. And uh, try and be that example. Because uh, when we played ball, you know how it was. You had that coach try, try to tell you, you know, what to do. And then you, you're saying to yourself, damn, coach, I don't, it doesn't look like you can do it. So I don't <laughs> want the kids to say that about me. I want to make sure that, you know, I can do everything they can do. You know, just show the best example I can. I think you were once clocked at like a 4-3-40. Do you still have those wheels? <laughs> no, nah, that's the goal. Like, um, we ran, I say I ran it around four months ago, and I ran four or five. So <laughs> I still got a little bit of will. But Holy I can't cow. That 4-3 four, that four anymore, that's for sure. So, so you, had, you had a 4-3, but what was your first to third? Oh, wow. That was uh, um, that was pretty good, man. Uh, my 
my time down the first baseline, I put it to you like this. Uh, my senior year, we averaged about 20 scouts a game. And um, they would time me in the 60 before the game and after the game to see if I lost any speed. So it was, it was, I say from my junior year on, it was, um, people want to see how fast I could run. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. So I just worked as hard as I can to make it, you know, to go faster. I did see that you have the high school record, most triples. Yeah. Triples, most, tripl um, most triples, stolen bases and. Yeah. <laughs> well, high school was like. I sold, um, what, seven in one game, two times, and um, that's the record in San Diego. Yeah, I was uh, – Willie Mays Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was pretty good, man. I had a really good team, though, man, a really good team that kind of set up everything for me. I was a leadoff batter, so all I had to do was get on base. And, you know, I had a guy that was hitting the back of me that would always take the first pitch. So, you know, the other guys make a sacrifices for me, and, you know, in order for me to be successful. So, you know, it always comes down to your team, man. That's why I love football. It's the ultimate team sport. I mean, you can't do anything without that, those guys up front and uh, the guys out wide blocking. And, you know, it, it's everything has to work together. So, Well, we wanted to have you on, man, because, dang, you were really fun to watch back in the day. I uh, wanted to reminisce with you a little bit. But uh, tell, me, tell me about your path to CSU. You know, you were drafted by the Reds, and you played four years of minor league ball. What what kind of ball player were you? I mean, obviously, you said you were a leadoff player. Obviously, you were stealing bases right and left. I imagine you were a center fielder. Uh, right. What was right. your opportunity with the Reds, and, and what was that experience like in the minor league for four years? And then was, transitioning um, to football after, after that amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> it was all uh, my best friend, my quarterback since uh, I was 10 years old. A lot of – I mean, the guys on the team knew this was Akili Smith. So Keeley was the third pick in the first round of, yep. with, for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that was my quarterback since we were 10. So um, he was also my catcher. He was the catcher for our baseball team. Keeley actually went in the seventh round to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, so I say from like the age of 12, uh, his dad just took me under his wing. So I was at his house 530 in the morning from 12 to our senior year of high school. Uh, taking hits off the teeth, learn how to switch hits. Um, you know, we just really, really, really worked hard. And after that, we'll go out and run routes. So we'll run the route tree before class. Uh, we stay after school and run with the route tree after practice. So um, that was just my guy. Uh, we end up um, getting drafted together. He went to the um, Pirates. I went to the um, Reds. And, um, you know, high school is just like, you know, I, I would say about my sophomore year, man, it, I just boomed. Like, I made the varsity team as a freshman. But my sophomore year, I made first team all-conference, uh, junior year, senior year. And then my senior year, is just – I went crazy. You know, I stole, like, 42 bases. But we only played 28 games. Um, in one tournament, I stole, like, 25 bases. So, it was just like – you know, it was a perfect storm. You know, and it was everything that I would hope and wish for, you know, as an athlete, you know, to have that perfect year. And that's what happened. So I got recruited by everybody, man. I have some offers from Cal State Northridge, Fullerton, all the top California baseball teams you can imagine. I ended up signing with San Diego State. Um, and that's where I think I made – I don't try and, you know, we all look – as athletes, we try not to look back on anything. But that's the one thing. I wish Polly uh, – she went to college out of high school. 
but hey, man, they offered me $225,000 out of high school. And, you know, my family never seen any money like that. So it was just a decision that I made, you know, to take care of my mother, to provide for my mother. And my mother worked three jobs. You know how the story goes. So um, I made that decision, you know, and I I said, I'm going to play three years. I already knew the plan. I'm going to play three years, fulfill my contract, and I'm going to go back to um, college and play football. So that was the plan. And it all worked out. And me and Keely sat down and said, we said it together. He just left a year earlier and um, went to Grossmont College. And I left a year later and went to Grossmont College. And he ended up going to Oregon and going to Colorado State. So you knew after three years that you were going back to football. It was, uh, yeah, it was, I would say it was pre-planned. But at the same time, after my first year, I did pretty well. Um, but you know, midway through the uh, my first year, man, it was just like, it hit me. Like, this is all I'm going to do right now is baseball. And, um, you know, as a high-round pick, they had us in big league camp. So I came home for two weeks after playing, like, 78 straight games. And they sent me to Puerto Rico for six months. So I'm 17 years old when I got drafted. The day after graduation, you know, the next morning, I'm on an airplane and I land in Princeton, West Virginia, and I'm playing center field against grown men. And I couldn't even sign my contract. So it was just like um, my mom said, okay, don't you have a minor league rookie team in Arizona? That would have been easier for my family to get there, kind of like be close to home. Mm-hmm. Man, they threw me in the, they threw me in the, you know what, right away, like high A ball, you know, the Appalachian League. I mean, they're playing against, you know, the Charleston Mudcats, those guys, you know, that's high A ball, you know, and I'm 17 years old. So it was just like, man, this is uh, what, you know, I didn't expect it. It was a lot, very fast. So it just drew me more to football, you know, more and more. So I fulfilled my contract. And as soon as I did, you know, I enrolled at Grossman College. And I knew I had to go from a baseball body to a football body. And I knew I didn't want to stay in junior college for two years. So I just busted my ass and gained the weight, uh, went out there and had a very good season. I think I had like 1,400 yards, 17 touchdowns. And um, Coach Hammer and Coach Fairchild came running. I mean, came calling. So it was um, it was a very awesome experience, man, very. And I have to tell you that probably a story a lot of people don't know, I was signed still to go to Texas A&M. And um, my mother... Coach Lubick, Coach Fairchild, Coach Hammer, they went uh, to my mother's job. My mother worked at Kaiser um, Hospital and uh, got her out of work, took her to lunch without me knowing. Uh, I come home and uh, all the coaches are right there. And um, what they did is won my mother over. And if you won my mother over, you won me over. (laughs) So Coach Lubick was a very, 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 very smart guy from the beginning. So he came in and, uh, and, uh, Basically, it pulled me away from Texas A&M. That is a great story. What was it like playing for Sonny? The best thing. best Probably my best coach. Not probably. I know my best coach. Uh, he challenged you in a way that he didn't yell. All right? So he just gave you a look. And the thing with Coach Lubick is the worst thing you can do is him not speak to you. That's the worst. Right? So you know you disappointed him. So, you know, that was the way he, he coached, man. He, it wasn't fear. It was out of respect. And what better way to get more out of your players than your players to be able to go want to go through a brick wall for you. 
you know, if you disappoint him, if you're, I mean, if you got a, a D in a test, like you walk past them gingerly because grades were just as important as having a good practice. So, man, the guy was like, he held us accountable, you know, and I carry on that stuff in, in life now, you know, and uh, I'll always be uh, uh, grateful for him. He wrote, he actually wrote me a letter um, to, uh, uh, to send our Hall of Fame, to vouch for me to go to the Hall of Fame, Colorado State, and that was huge. I have that um, framed, you know, uh, on my wall. So that was the biggest respect thing ever. Once I got that from him, I was like, okay, I got the nod from Coach Dubik, and that was good. That's tremendous. He's my hero, by the way. Always. No, bro, it's no, it's no, it's no, you can't even get any better. You know, you, you can't. So that's my guy. Well, before we get any of the deeper CSU memories, tell us about your stint in the NFL and then uh, what happened in the XFL. It was, man, I think I came, I was, uh, I didn't know, I just think they didn't know what to do with me. Um, I came in in an era where it was about the 6'3", 6'4", wide receiver. Um, I got drafted by Tennessee. I got in camp and it was three yards in a cloud of dust in camp. So I'm sitting there as a punt return, kick return guy, just catching punts all day. And it was just like, um, I don't know, it was different. Like it was just, it wasn't about the talent that they were any better or anything. I was killing guys in practice, one-on-ones, killing them. It was just, I was really, I was just relevated to the special teams guy. And I never had done it before, ever, ever. So um, I went in the senior bowl, I came out, now, before the senior bowl, I was number 17 ranked receiver in the country. After the senior bowl, Coach, Coach Gruden, the radio staff was our coaching staff. I left the senior bowl ranked number six. So it wasn't about the talent or anything or anything like that. It was about the youth. They didn't, I wasn't, like, if I was playing today, if I got drafted today, I'd play for 10 years because they know how to use me. I'm a slot guy. I'm a punt return, kick return. I'm a reverse guy. I'm a screen guy. And those those things were just they weren't in the playbook in Tennessee so I was just sitting there catching punts and kickoffs and yeah and I played behind Derek Mason so it was just like why am I here yeah I was I was just just about to say like you probably look at KC's offense or the LA Rams offense and, and oh my god man oh my god like even coach Gruden the Raiders yeah. like that's the style of offense I needed to go to. You know, it's almost like I should have been a free agent and chose the team out where I, I should have, you know, where they would have used me properly. It was just um, a different era. It was about the big wide receiver, and it was three yards in a cloud of dust. That's why when St. Louis came along with that offense, it blew everybody out the water. You know, so, um, I mean, that's how it was, man. It was, uh, it was, it was very different. And I couldn't understand it. I couldn't wrap my my head around it, why it was going on, because um, I was with, I'll give you an example. I was with um, St. Louis. After Tennessee, St. Louis picked me up. I was in St. Louis. I mean, uh, Aeneas Williams, he's a Hall of Famer, right? He would only go with me in practice. And I asked him, like, hey, you got Ivy Bruce, you got Tory Holt, like, why me? He's like, man, because you're the quickest. You give me the best work. Man, I, that's for my NFL career, that's what I take from. Like, I know I should have been on that field. It's just I was never in a position to be that. I was playing behind all pros. You know, I went to Dallas. 
Dallas, Jerry Jones called me in the office, sat me down for an hour. They was like, wanted to put me on the practice squad, but they had an um, injury to linebackers. So I had to bring in the extra linebackers. Jerry Jones said, you're not leaving this office till I find you a job. Well, he called Montreal. I signed a three-year deal to go to Montreal. So I went out there, uh, played for a year, and got picked back up in the NFL. So it was just like, you know, it was just a roller coaster ride, man, that, uh, you know, I just didn't understand. But I have no regrets. I busted my ass. I knew I could play. It was just, you know, I didn't end up in the right situation. And didn't that's you, the way I take it. Didn't you house one against Dallas? Uh, that, yeah, I against Joey. Against Pittsburgh, too. Against Joey. <laughs> against Joey and Clark, I house one. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was like, I just, you know, I did everything I possibly could do, man. It was just I wasn't in style, right? Now I'm in style. Yep. Well, I did say that you share a Titans rookie card with Javon Curse that's worth $8 on eBay, and I'm sure that value is all you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, right? So, yeah, Javon was my guy, man. That was my roommate. Right? That was my boy from Jump Street. You know, we pushed each other, and, you know, he would be like, you know, I, there every day after practice, like, bro, I don't know what they're doing, man. It's like, so it was just like, I got drafted to catch punts, and I'm not that guy. I'm sorry, I want to play. I'm not just in the NFL just to catch punts, and I want, I'll do it. I have no problems, but let me get some run, man. Let me catch the ball. Let me catch a screen pass. Let me show you what I can do, and it just was no room for that. I didn't understand it. Well, so, I, go ahead, Michael. So Joel and I are both uh, baseball coaches by nature, uh, coached in, in high school here in, in Colorado for a long time. I also nice. coach high school football. What do you think about like kind of all the specialization now? You know, you get you get kids on such an early age that their baseball coach says, you, you know, you need to be playing this year round or you have football coaches that are like, well, as soon as the season's over, you need to be doing seven on seven or whether it's basketball or lacrosse or soccer. Like, what, what's your thoughts on that? It's the worst thing ever, man. It's stopping kids from being better at their sport. Like, at my high school, we couldn't play football unless you played two sports. It was a mandatory thing because it made you better. Playing basketball is certain movements in basketball, what you have to do and backpedal and stop and go and jump, and it will help an offensive tackle or a linebacker in football. You know, the, and especially at that age, we're developing muscle. And it's not about lifting a million pounds. So these, it's, you know, the fundamentals are going out the door and it's about money, right? So it's coaches want these uh, kids to play their season and then turn around and play in the club. You're burning these kids out. These kids got a thousand games, especially baseball. It's, um, I don't know, you know, especially throwing the kids' arms you know, pitching, I mean, how many innings you going to pitch in the offseason? Like, how do you even control that? So I never got why um, kids didn't play different sports, right, because it makes you better. Now, by the time you're a junior, you're junior in high school, then, okay, I'm going to narrow it down. All right, these are the opportunities I have in this sport. Let's get focused. But until then, man, enjoy yourself. Do other sports. Become a better athlete by doing other sports, it, which will make you better in your sport. Yeah, I, I, coach, I coach receivers, and I try to explain to them, like, that's what you're doing as an outfielder in, in baseball. You're running routes the whole time. Yeah. Every time a ball's hit, you're <laughs> running a route. 
Yes, playing receiver and uh, going from receiver to center field. Oh, my God. Center field is like – that's why I was ranked number one center field in the state of California coming out my senior year. I was a Dale Devil out there, man. I played up close, and I dare you to hit it over my head because I just had supreme confidence. It's like catching a punt, like catching a, a nine route, a post route. It's the same deal. And you just become more confident. And then football gives you that callous body, right, where you just – in basketball, you're tougher because you have that callous body. So it's just it, it, playing different sports, man, just makes you better at the sport that you really want to do. So tell me about what you're doing now, Darren, with uh, Hope and Athletics and your personal training and, and all that. Oh, man, um, I'm just I'm happy to say I opened up my second location down in San Diego. Um, working on the third one up here in uh, Summerlin in Las Vegas. So um, it's booming, man. And what I do is I just teach the kids fundamentals, right? How to use their body, how to run properly, how to really um, become explosive by using your body. So, you know, a lot of kids forget about the fundamentals, right? And so I have to get him off these Instagram and these YouTube videos until these guys got that way by doing the fundamentals. So, you know, when you get a kid with a lot of talent and they want to jump the curve before, you know, doing the fundamentals, yeah, it looks good, but when it comes down to it, you don't have no base. So I teach these kids the base, man, um, fundamentals, and we, we we counter off the fundamentals into other things. I saw so you it, in, it's been working. Man. I saw you invented, like, this ab workout thing, the absolution, a few years ago. Yeah. What happened with that? Is that still in the works? Oh, it's still going. Yes, yeah, in manufacturing. Um, I have, uh, shoot, I got about 7,500 pre-orders. From some Jeez. big gyms, I can't say, but uh, you guys will see it out there, man. It's um, it's doing really well. So it's a matter of getting those units uh, made and getting it out there. That's really cool. So several years back, when I was in a little better shape, used to do P90X, and oh, at nice. the end, at the end of the ab workout, there was this thing that he used to do called Mason twists that just killed yeah. you. And it's kind of the the absolution is kind of like that. It's designed to kind of get you back and forth. It goes around this arc, and uh, and it yeah. looks like it works the crap out of your core and your in your abs. Hey man, it's the only product um, that's going to be on the market that hits all three planes of motion. Right, it has 250% more torque than any other ab machine, and it hits the transverse abdominis, which is the most one of the most important muscles in order to protect our lower back. So, I mean, I cover all the bases. I mean, so it's just a matter of getting it out there. Um, I licensed it out, uh, say, about a couple of years ago, and um, it was a bad deal. So, you know, it took me like a year and a half, 18 months to get 100% back. So I uh, finally got 100% back as of December last year, and I'm going to do it all myself. Can people buy it anywhere yet, or is it? Oh, uh, no. I see. The thing is, I have to rebrand it. Um, I had to change the name. So now it's called Real Absolution instead of The Real Absolution. So... <laughs> it's all kind of stuff I had to go through to get those guys off my patent and everything. So finally, it's clear. Um, I have manufacturing here in Las Vegas, and uh, I'm about to get after it. So I'm getting 500 made right now, as we speak. I mean, after quarantine to open back up. Right. Well, we're gonna get a few. We're gonna get one in the hands of Joey and Mike and myself because we all need it bad. <laughs> oh man, I donate you one, man. Don't worry about that. I send you one. Ain't Thanks, no brother. Thanks, brother. I'll get you my address. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Boy, that's definitely <laughs> got you.
All right, so great stuff. I want to really get into uh, the, the stuff that we all remember from CSU. You arrive at CSU from junior college. Rams go 11-2, and whack championship, cap the season with a Holiday Bowl win over number 18, Mizzou. Some people regard that as the best season in CSU history. What do you remember from that year? It was perfect, man. Um, I couldn't wait to get out there because uh, when I came on my recruiting trip, you know, I was kind of down in the dumps because I, I wanted to go to Texas A&M because they blew me out the water at the recruiting trip, like totally. So I was like, okay, I'm doing this for mom. And uh, I get out there, man, and I get picked up at the airport and there's 10 guys from my neighborhood in San Diego on the team. I had no idea. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I know you, I know you, I know you, I know. Wow. So, you know, I caught my interest right away. And we pulled into campus and, uh, you know, I met Joey. I met all the guys, man. And after 24 hours, I was there. They got me. You know, they were telling me, man, we're on a break. And they were, all they were talking about was winning on the recruiting trip. It wasn't like, let's go party. They were talking about the season we were about to have. So you kind of felt the energy right away. And um, I went back home, man, and I was like, shit, I want to leave early. So I set it up to where I came in in June. And um, the first person, uh, you guys are going to like this one. The first person that came and picked me up from the airport and I lived with was Anthony Cesario. Big T. Big T. My God. You know, he picked me up from the airport, and that's who I live with. I live with him and Moses Moreno. So those are the two guys um, that I got introduced, you know, when I got on campus. So I live with them, and then from there, you know, we ran routes. I just – I dove right into everything, into the off-season program, into what they were doing. And, um, you know, it was just like you felt the, the energy. And so uh, I think we played uh, Nevada the first game. Real good game. I think we lost to Colorado the second game. And we knew we should have won the game. You so, had a big touchdown in the second half. <laughs> that was my coming out party right there. That, <laughs> that was when uh, well, I had – I got there, I hurt my hamstring. So I was out for like two weeks. You know, so coaches didn't really know, you know, if I was healthy. Now. But against Nevada, I had a pretty good game. But, you know, they unleashed me against um, – against Colorado. So um, and then from there on, man, it was just like, okay, we can do this. And I think we rolled off, what, it was it 12, 13 games in a row? Yeah. After the Air Force debacle. <laughs> yeah, started off two and two. Which, yes, you had that Air Force game, yeah. which they were good. They were really good that year, but. I mean, I don't understand how we lost to them two years. Well, well. shut out. Like, shut we, out. We, it was like, it was like, <laughs> it's no way in the world we should have lost to those guys two years in a row. Our senior year, we shouldn't have lost a game. And that's just a story for another day, but <laughs> no, we it's, talk about it. Bleeding. It's for today, bro. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it today, bud. Uh, <laughs> um, what do you think right, about but, Matt Newton that UNLV game? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, Nudie. Yeah. Nah, Matt Newton, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had solid guys, man. It like, and I just think. He got hurt, and then we brought in um, a younger guy um, that ended up being the starter the next year. I forget his name. Um, yeah, that was Newton. Slinger got hurt. Slinger. Yeah, yeah. Newton, yeah. Newton came in. Slinger got hurt. Yeah, and Newton, Newton had a freaking – he had an arm, man. He did. He can swing that thing. Like, he, was, uh, he was really good. He was pretty good. So it's just like we didn't have that 
I don't think we had that experience at quarterback that we needed. You know, like yeah. Moses was one of the toughest men I've ever been around, man. Like I've seen that guy take some freaking shots, get right back up in the in the huddle, chin bleeding, like literally tooth knocked out, like real life stuff, and he's going in there calling the next play. You know, and we're going into having that and going into a guy that you get into the huddle and, you know, kind of wide-eyed, kind of stuttering, it was a different thing. Nothing against them. They were awesome players, good teammates, excellent teammates, but it was just different from Mo. They, they replayed the uh, the Holiday Bowl, the 97 Holiday Bowl recently here, uh, and um, the, the amount of hits that Moses took and just kept Oh, my God, all of you guys, oh man, that's just a, that's yeah. a, a different type of game than today, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mo, Mo was a different guy, man. He was, a, he was one, like I said, he was one of the toughest guys I've ever been around. I've seen him in games take shots. I mean, get up, and you saw it in his eyes that he's done, but, you know, he'll shake it off, get right back in there, and throw a touchdown pass. So, Did you know, to, and then off the field, he's the most laid-back dude in the world. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. The most chill, laid-back dude in the world. You know, he didn't go out. You know, you barely saw him anywhere. You know, you catch Mo at the house, just relaxing, looking at film, just being a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He was a leader, for sure. While we're talking about that 98 team, you guys opened that season in the Black Coaches Association game. It was a week before the rest of the college football season. And you went into East Lansing, Michigan, and you beat number 23, Michigan State. You were down 16-0 in the first half. And Essinger hits you on a fly route, and I think he scored on a 60-yard touchdown. And that kind of broke the seal. And next thing you know, you guys came back, took control of the game, and, and that was a heck of a win. Yeah, that was uh, one of the biggest wins, I think, in the program. I mean, because they gave us – first of all, they threw the game at us. They're like maybe a month prior. So coach said, at the, um, this was like in the weight room. He said, do you guys want to play Michigan State? And to a man, we jumped up and said, heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, to a man, it wasn't even hesitation. We knew, um, you know, they're going to give us 750000 to play. You know, it was like giving it to us, you know, to go out there and get beat up. And we was had the mentality like, are you serious? We, we just won 12 games in a row. We're about to go out there and put up number 13. And, uh, man, we were determined. We were determined. We, were, we knew we had something special that year. Like, we knew it. We knew it. But at the same time, it was delicate. And we had a lot of egos. And you had a lot of, uh, yeah, I should have been playing and why is he playing situations. So that kind of, um, from the inside out, kind of deteriorated what we had going on. So that was like, I think the first time in Colorado State history that a team turned down a bowl game. I'm glad you brought that up. That that team was loaded, D Hall. Yeah. That that team yeah. after starting the season the way we did, beating Michigan State on the road, we thought it was gonna be another huge year. You're coming off the eleven and two season with I think ten straight wins. And then you we don't even make, we go eight and four, which today would be great. We'd love that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but you don't go to a bowl game. It was a major disappointment. And, you know, after beating Michigan State, you, you got whipped by CU following week. As you said, we lost to Air Force the following week when I think that was a 
one loss Air Force team. And I think that game, I think you had a long receiving touchdown and maybe a punt return for touchdown. I think you had a big game against them that day. Um, but anyway, yeah. that, that season ended disappointing with a disappointing loss to Rice and Wyoming. What, what the heck happened with that team? We were loaded. Um, yeah, it was a lot of egos. We had a lot of uh, guys. It started that summer. Like, we were, you know, it was a group of guys that felt like, all right, we're going to work, but we're going to lead by example. So we were, uh, we started the Saturday, Saturday Stadium run fair. You know what I mean? So we break into the stadium, man, and Saturday, Sunday, we're running the stairs. I mean, it was the hardest working summer probably any team that came through their hat. And from the summer, we would invite people, hey, man, we're going to do this. It's a mandatory team, and then certain guys would show up. Only certain guys would show up. Only 10 guys would show up, 12 guys would show up. So those same 10, 12 guys that showed up, all right, they end up being like seamen. They felt like, okay, man, we we busted our ass, you know, and we when we did this, we led by example and and uh, felt like other guys didn't work hard. So it was kind of the divide going in to the Michigan State game. But we were so talented that, you know, we beat them. But it got exposed against Colorado. It got exposed against Air Force. You know, and just because of, of talent, we won like six games in a row, I think it was, and then we lost two. So we got uh, – we had invitations to bowl games, but – um, coach asked the seniors, and we said, no, we don't deserve it. Eight and four is not even even a tip of the iceberg what we should have been. So we felt as seniors we didn't deserve it, and so that's why we said no. There were some stories, and you could maybe confirm or deny this, that there were players partying the night before the Rice game in Houston that year. Did that play a part in the loss, and was that – a little bit indicative of what may have gone wrong that season, despite having all the, the talent? Right. Um, it, it was – I wouldn't blame it on that. You know what I mean? Um, I would think uh, that was just like another part of it. You know, that was just another example of what we didn't do the year prior. And that had to do a lot with egos, right? Thinking like, okay, you know – season is what it is man let's go have a good time so you know um i don't know it was just weird and then you get caught up in the situation because you're, you're hanging with certain guys and then you know you're kind of thrown into that loophole and so it was just a weird season like it was weird it was weird after the colorado loss after we lost to colorado it was just a weird season the way it was weird going to practice. It was weird because we weren't supposed to lose two games. So it's, to me, it felt like the season was over after Air Force. I'm not going to lie to you. Because I didn't expect us to lose two games. So for me, it was just like, okay. Sorry about that. As I was saying, you took that third quarter lead against the Buffs. And, you know, I thought that I thought it was going, we're going to put it down their throat after that. And then it just. We went up 14-13, and I was like, okay, done. Now we're playing like we're supposed to play, you know? And it was just like guys were still thinking like, you know, we just beat Michigan State. No, that was Michigan State. That was last week. This is Colorado. We didn't take it week to week like we did the year prior. It was just like people start believing the press clippings. Like even on the plane ride from Michigan State, guys was reading stats. We never did that the year prior, ever. 
We never asked for a stat sheet. It wasn't about that. It was about the Ws. So as you know, I, I just I knew stuff was different. You know, I smelt it in the air. You know what I mean? And after a certain point, as a senior, and you you know you you get called into the office, and Coach Lubick says, "Okay, man, you, you're on the draft list. You have a chance to get drafted." You know, after the BS, you start looking around, and then you start saying, "Okay, I need to start focusing on my future." And I think a couple of guys, as well as me, I'm a, I'm gonna be the first one to tell you, we start looking, we start thinking that way, which was wrong. But when you saw guys in practice and guys in games, you asked guys to go in for a guy that never came out. I could tell you an example right now. Joey Porter played on every special team, started defense, did everything. Uh, Colorado game, he asked a certain player to go in for him, and the guy was freaking scared. We didn't have that the year prior. Our backups were hungry to get in. It was just a different dynamic. We thought we had the talent. The 22 players, yes. Put our offense and our defense, if we had those guys, yes. But it was just certain guys, certain situations that um, it wasn't the same. And I'm not going to call out names. Or I'm not going to do that. It's just it wasn't the same. All right. Well, let's go back to the better memory. <laughs> 97, when you guys represent the WAC in the Holiday Bowl. I remember yeah. – during the pregame bowl festivities earlier in that week, there was a lot of smack talk from the Missouri players and how the wax oh up and you guys didn't stand a chance against the mighty big 12. What do you remember of that? I remember everything. I remember us um, the night when we were on the, uh, I think it was the Ronald Reagan and uh, we had dinner. And uh, I forget the kid. He was like Mr. All-American. Brock, o Brock Olivo, I think his the name was. Running back. The running back, yep. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Brock Olivo or something like that. And, you know, he gets up on the podium. And we're just sitting there. You know, we're happy to be there. But you got to understand, we're, we weren't a normal whack Western Africa Conference team. We were big. We ran the ball. We had 2,000-yard rushes. We had another back, running back that ran for 600 yards, I had 400 yards rushing. You know, like, we we were not to be played with. And I guess that game they had against Nebraska, they were living high off a loss because they played Nebraska tough. So, you know, we have the dinner. Brock Olivo gets up there and he says, well, I don't know about those guys, but we're here to, for business and we're here to win. <laughs> we literally looked at each other like, did he just say that? So from that point on, the line was drawn in the sand. All right, we go out on the deck. Adrian Ross has the um, news camera. And he goes up to Missouri guys. And he's like, hey, what do you think? Um, what do you think about the game? How do you think you guys are going to do it? The guy slapped the camera out of his hand. So it was like, whoa. So we, you know, it was a big thing on the boat. We get in each other's face. And we started it on the um, – they started it that day, but we we made sure we ended it, man. And our practices were some of the best practices we had all season, all season. And we were we weren't going to lose that game. Like we were, we knew where we were going. It was just a, how bad we were going to beat them. Because we looked on film, they were slow, big, and we're like these guys played with Nebraska. Like we didn't understand it. Like we knew our game plan was going to kill them. 
they had no chance against us. We were better in every position. So. Well, you were uh, the co-MVP of that game. You started the scoring on a, an end around for a touchdown. Um, and I mentioned before you were on that you took a little hit as you leaped in the end zone there. And, and kind of, I don't know if you had the wind knocked out of you or what, but I, I watched, I literally watched this replay of this game on my VHS tape, maybe once, maybe a couple times a year. That's one of my favorite games, but, <laughs> but I remember that. And then you had what was really the game changer, um, where you took the lead back 21, 17 on a 85 yard touchdown, uh, on a punt return. And I'm not sure if it still stands in the record books, but at the time it was the longest punt return in Hollywood history. Um, it's, so, still, it's still good. From still is. You, you, you've been it's tracking good. that. That's dope. All right. So, so yeah. go through that play with us. Um, that was one of, I think for me, one of the most memorable in CSU history. And you were just like speed wise on a different level from everyone in the black and gold. You are what shoot coach Snyder. He was our special teams coach. And he told me like from day one, he said, man, you probably gonna break all the records here. He said, your vision and this, you know, watching my film in junior college. So he said, just follow my scheme. Man, he, his, the way he drew up things, it was amazing. That's the way, that's why he's where he is now. So Coach Schneider, man, it was just about, we had the best special teams, I think, in the conference, probably some in the, in the country. And I caught the ball and it was, um, I forget my man's name, it was number 11. Oh, Forget his name, but he made the key block. The guy was coming down; he was right on my heels. Right, right as you caught it, there was a there's right a as I caught it, and my yep. man he he made that block, and that's a tough block. So I just told myself, I saw the ball, and I saw him coming. I saw it. I saw him coming. I said, I'm I am not going to fair catch this ball. If he hits me and takes my head off, that's just what happens. So I just caught it, and I quick shuffle. And man, when I made that quick shuffle, my head was down and I looked up, I said, are you serious? And literally, that's what I said to myself. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no. And I just put my head up, boom. And I hit that hole, man. I saw that scene and I just hit it as hard as I could. And then I I looked up, up at the, um, the little monitor and I didn't see anybody behind me. So I looked back and I was like, oh shit, this is happening. And that was it, man. It was, you you looked up at the replay board and saw that? Yeah, I saw that, that <laughs> nobody was running. <laughs> nobody was behind me. So then I took a look, I took a quick look myself, and then I was like, Oh yeah, it's over. It's over. That is so great. And then and the it the was, game was really sealed when Essinger on a fake field goal, which was a really incredible play of its own, because he was hit shy of the line to gain. And then he's freaking Snyder, man. <laughs> Coach Snyder. So that was his call. Yeah, that was his call, man. He's uh, he was. That was a special team. You know what I mean? That was a special team because we had it in all three phases. Our defense. Once they moved Joey, Joey. People, a lot of people didn't know this. Joey was our receiver, running back for two and a half years. Yeah. Half of my junior year, Joey was at H back. All right. So Joey. One of my best friends to this day, he told us, he said, bro, <clears throat> he told us before I have, he said, man, next week I'm just going to go to the office tell Coach Luther I'm going to defense. I, he said he was going to, he can't tell Coach Luther nothing. He was going to ask Coach, could he go to defense? And we was like, we were all behind it because he was just this masterpiece going away. You know what I mean? And um, 
he went over there the next week he was on defense, man, and that's when our whole everything it just seemed like it just took off. All right, we already had Adrian and we had um Clark on the other side, but Joy was that third piece on defense that can roam around and, and was fast and was quick and was nibble. Once that was uh we once we implemented him, man, it was over. We just took off. What what was that like with uh being a San Diego native, you and Moses being co-MVPs of the uh, the Holiday Bowl. I mean, that was a dream come true. That was like, as a kid, that's what you dream about. You know, um, I grew up, born and raised in San Diego. Went to Lincoln High School. Um, I was recruited by San Diego State. I went to all their games. When Marshall Falk was there, you know, I got to watch the games on the sideline. So you just, you, you, you know, you dream of that. You dream of going to San Diego State, uh, being from San Diego. But um, San Diego State didn't recruit me. They chose to, um, to go uh, get this guy named, i never forget, Damon Gordine. He went to um, went to a junior college in L.A. Uh, forget, but i never forget him. And uh, I let those, I make sure those guys, I let those guys know every time we played them that they made a mistake. So Did you guys... it, was just, it was awesome. I had about 200 people at the game, man. It was, it was just, it was surreal. It was crazy. What was the celebration like afterwards? Did, I imagine you probably, being from San Diego, a few of you guys stayed stayed overnight. Did did the whole team stay overnight? Well, yeah, the coach coach <laughs> coach let us stay overnight. Um, actually, you guys went home from there, so you got if you, you have to um, you could fly from San Diego to Houston, wherever your city was. You got to go home if you wanted to, or you went back to Fort Collins. So everybody stayed. A lot of people stayed. It was partying all night, like uh, CSU alumni. Or everybody was there. The boosters. It was. I didn't see. I mean, woke up in the morning. People were still at the bar. So it was an all night thing. That's great. Yeah, it well, was. It was, uh, it was cool. It was really cool. Well, and I know that um, before we jumped on the uh, recording here, that you had mentioned you have a um, you have a group thread with a bunch of your old teammates. Tell me about that. And you you said you're you're talking about CSU all the time, and you still obviously have a, an affinity for CSU. What, what's your relationship with CSU these days? Uh, we don't have one, and that's the problem. And it seems like um, the guys that uh, really, really, really put blood, sweat, and tears into that program, you know, um, busted our butt, and we can't even get a ticket to a game, or we can't even get an invite to a game. Um, that's the problem. Um, you go through a coaching search and we have one of the best coaches coaching the NFL, one of the best coaches in the NFL, but one of the best linebacker coaches in the NFL, one of the best coaches around, Joey Porter, wants the job, didn't even get an interview. We have another guy over there, offensive coordinator, Ohio State. All right. What more do you want? He doesn't get the job. He's begging for the job, doesn't get the job. They hired a guy that the players wrote into the program about and we hire them. We don't have anybody from alumni on staff. We don't recruit Southern California. We don't recruit like we used to recruit. We don't recruit guys that <laughs> want to play football. I, I don't, we, we talk about it all the time. I may be harsh, people uh, may not want to hear it, but what are we recruiting? What are we putting out there on Saturday? How do they get a 60,000-foot stadium and can put that out there on Saturday? 
we don't understand it. Joey spends 250,000, 300,000 on a locker room, a weight room, and he can't, can't get on the staff. What, I mean, at what, at what point where you don't reach back to where we were successful, like the Florida States, like the Miamis, like the USC's, like all the pro, the Ohio States, the Michigans. At what point do you don't reach back and bring these guys in and get that, that fucking pump back into the program? Excuse my language. All no, we want to do is help. And they don't even, all we want to do is help. That's and been a huge like, issue. I don't understand it. No, it's no CSU blood around there. The guys that, that did shit for the program. It's, they have guys that are just want to go from, or are we going to use this for three years and go to here? Like, we're not a bridge program. Coach Lubick was there for 15 years, and he would still be there until they did what they did to him. Let's be honest about that. So a lot of guys are mad because we're a Lubick guy, number one. And number two is just what the program doing. How are they recruiting? Who are they recruiting? We used to get Colorado State Players of the Year. We're getting two and three rated players from down south. Guys that didn't get a scholarship at the schools they wanted to go to, but we're going to offer them one because they're big. We have to get guys that can play. It's, they, you know, we talk about it all the time, man. I love, I love hearing that. You know, and that's been one of my biggest issues the last five years with this last staff is, is just the disconnect with the former players. Like I, I, I know I, I'm pretty sure we hung out in college a few times because I was yeah I'm, I'm good buddies with Moses and, and was was good friends with with Big T, so I know yeah. I know we had to have hung out, <laughs> but uh, well we have to. <laughs> so the first game at the new stadium, Moses called the football office and they wouldn't give him a ticket. You know he this called is, me. This is Moses Moreno. Yeah, like this is you know what I mean like he should be he on the side of fame at the school. <laughs> Yeah. If he wants to be on the sideline, they should let him. You know, and, and then, like last year, the 94 team made it into the Hall of Fame. They brought him out in the second quarter for 90 seconds and didn't even have highlights up on the Jumbotron. They're like, oh, the, this is the 94 Hall of Fame team. Got him off the field. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge issue. And you see that. Like, there was just – like you brought it up, we we started recruiting kids in the South, who yes, we were kind of their last offer. Yes, well, we'll take it. I won't have no offer. Oh yeah, they offer me. I'm going there. And they get here, they don't like it because they come from Alabama. See, it's about recruiting. Southern, what twenty something guys on the team from Southern California? Yep. Yeah, you. Look right. We have the rest. The rest was from the rest was from Colorado and Texas. That was our team. Yep. It was California, Colorado, Texas. That was it. That's what we recruited in the next. That's what, and that's how we. I don't get it, man. They getting these guys, and they getting guys that don't want to come to Colorado. They getting kids that are. I don't. I don't understand it. Like we look at, like where's the effort? Like where are we playing? How are we playing football? How are we giving up fifty points? how is this going on? This is not Colorado. We don't even recognize it. You know why? Because yep. none of us are around. Yep. None of those coaches, none of those coaches share Colorado State blood. They don't know the history of the program. We don't, they don't know that we were 
I don't get it. It's just it's totally different, man. They look good. Uniform, stadium. Oh my god, yep. they look good. They. I don't know what I, else. I appreciate hearing all that because I know that's that's. Oh man, we're more than frustrated, man. We wanna. It's to a point where we said we just gonna all fly up there together and walk in, and but we can't. What it was still going yep. the same shit gonna happen. They hire guys. They don't even attempt to. We got guys that play years in the NFL that want to be on the coaching staff, that want to yep. be there. They don't even get an interview? Yeah. Brady Smith, we got guys. Yep. I don't get it, man. Completely agree. Love, hearing that. Love hearing that from you. Love hearing that from you. You don't think a Joy Porter and a Brady Smith and an Adrian Ross can go into any home in America yeah. and get a kid? Yep. I, I actually hate we, hearing we that. We got them right here at our finger. We don't we don't use them. Huh? I actually hate hearing that from you. I mean, my and I get what Mike's saying, but this stinks. <laughs> I mean, because we we need ties to the the glory days. We need guys that have given CSU its identity. And and I under, I understand the frustration. How can CSU make amends for? I mean, how how can they how can they bring the guys that are on your text thread? back into the fold? How can they make you feel welcome? How can they make amends for where you think things have gone wrong? All we want is the respect that was earned. We don't, we don't want them to give us anything. Just let us show you guys. Let, let, the guy, let, a, let a guy like Joy on the staff and let him recruit. Let him go into any Joy. Go get this top linebacker in LA. He can go into that home and literally put us in that top three. Because of him, we don't use it. They don't know how to recruit. And it's like, it's in our AD, our athletic director don't even see that they're, the guys are using this school as a stepping stone to something else. And we keep hiring. We hired a guy from Boston College that, let me say it again, all their players wrote a letter saying how they disliked the guy. And we're going to hire him? And we hired him so fast. Like, <laughs> We hired him a day after the letters came out. So, like, it was, what was that? Was that a process? Nah, man, that wasn't a process. Come on. He was hired before he even got the job. As Urban Meyer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. How does Urban Meyer take over our coaching search? Because he's Urban Meyer and he was a wide receiver coach there for, no, man, he's, he is Utah, he is uh, Ohio State, and he's Florida. Before he's Colorado State. He used Colorado State, used that position to hire his homeboy. How's the program supposed to get ahead of that? That's looking out for the individual, not the program, not the kid. But our AD don't see that. And that's why we want another four years of four and seven, three and eight. There's a lot of positives here that I see. I mean, I, I, I see one of our best players in CSU history, still passionate about CSU. I know that he's on a text thread with, a lot of other former players that are still passionate about CSU that that care. And so these opinions exist, and I'm glad you, that you were willing to share them. I have had private conversations with other very prominent players in the football program that have very similar opinions. And I mean, don't get us wrong, man. We want, from the bottom of my heart, we want, we want to, um, the Colorado State to succeed. Like, nothing more. Nothing more, but the way you, I mean, the way they've been going around doing things, it's just been fishy. It's been very fishy, and it hasn't been 
Like, all we want to do is be part of the program, contribute to the program. Um, I have so many athletes, man, that went to USC, Utah, Florida, Georgia, that, hey, I sent them to Colorado State first. All right, they can't even get a call back or a, hey, Darren, you know. So it's just, that's what we're talking about. All we want to do is help. And it's like we're getting the Heisman. And it's just weird. Yeah, I'm hearing that way too many, too many times from too many people. <laughs> yeah. So I know I'm not the only one because, man, guys, if you played there, what, that 94, 94 to what, 2002? Yep. Man, we were what, what, we were top, literally, we were a top 15 program in the country. As far as wins, uh, of the amount of wins from that time to that time. So we were building a program to where it, like, all right, moving into the Big 12 made sense because we can play with those guys. And then it just got stopped. And then we, all of a sudden, we go on to meet up every uh, game. You know, when Coach Lubick was there coaching, even Coach Fairchild. Coach Fairchild welcomes in with big arms. And it just got chopped. And then you notice the program has been going down since they made that decision. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Going on that, yeah, I mean, you brought up some of the coaches. How was is, how is your recruitment, how was it compared to your son's? Because I know McElwain recruited your son right. to CSU. So how, how was, what was the difference in that, like, from your perspective? Man, that was a scary situation, man, because I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know how they was going to react. So I sent him out there to the camp. You know, I wanted to see – uh, what he can do against the best in Colorado, you know what I mean? So that was like, Darren, if you want this, you know, if you want this opportunity, you got to go out there and prove yourself. So the kid went out there and he uh, he came back MVP. So then, all right, you know, as a dad, okay, now nah, my son, okay, he can play on that level because you don't know until they do it, you know. And um, that was just a, a really really cool thing, man. And um, to see him go on his recruiting trip, and you know, I kind of stayed out of it. You know, I didn't. Uh, I wanted it to be all him because that was a that was a tough situation, you know, being me being an alumni and is he getting a scholarship because he's there and signed that type of situation. So I wanted to make sure it was on his own merit. And um, with my recruiting, man, it was just um, Coach Lubin made a, a very, very, very <laughs> he just was himself. That's all. Coach Lubick was himself. Got my mom, took my mom to lunch on some one on one, not even talking about me, he's talking about education, he's talking about, I mean, who he was as a coach and how he's going to take care of me. And he didn't want my mom over. So he wanted me over then. Yeah, you, you brought up that, how, how disappointed he would be in, if you got a, a D on a test. Moses and I, yeah. Mo and I were in class yeah. together and all our classes were in Moby and he'd poke his head in all the time because that was where the football <laughs> were. And he just, he just walked in like, Ask us all, like, how you doing in class? Are you guys messing around? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, so Snoopy was a he was a different guy. You know, what I mean, he didn't say too many words. He was a man of very few words, but when he spoke, you know, he he spoke loudly. So we just followed his lead, man. He was um, best, definitely the best coach I've ever had. And if you go down the line, all my teammates, they probably say the same thing. Everybody I know, everybody that played for him said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. 
He didn't yell at you. He didn't. Everything was fair. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't no. You didn't have to worry about was he, you know, was any motive behind? No, it was like you have an opportunity to play. If you play, if you practice hard, you get a chance. And that's all you can ask for from a coach. And that was it. And if you disappointed him, you knew it. Because he just, he'll look at you with a, it was a look. And it was just like, fuck. And, you know, from there, you got yourself in order. So it was just, that's very special to be able to do that, you know. And he had that power. I wouldn't even say it's power. That's just who he is. Well, man, D-Hall, I can't thank you enough for joining us. This was a tremendous discussion. Love catching mm-hmm. up with you. Great to catch up with the CSU legend. I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. I'm sorry if I got a little passionate, too passionate about the program, man. But, you know, I'm, I, I believe in black. I believe, I, I believe green and gold. I believe, I believe it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see us back there. You know, we want to help. And that's all we have to do is just be part of the program again. That's all. But we're not going to, you know, we're not going to beg, you know, like we've been begging. And all we want to do is yeah. be part of the program. That's it. Well, that's what we're here for. We love CSU. We we love the good old days and, and love the memories you provided. Man, if you are ever in town, please hit us up and we will treat you like a king on, on in our tailgate and, and we'll have a great time, you and your family. I'll be there. I'll be there this year, man. Regardless, I still come two games a year, so I'll hunt you guys down and uh, I'll bring all the guys, Joey and Myron, and we'll just have a good time. Please do, man. That would be awesome. Thanks, D. Hall. Thanks Thanks, so much. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, D. Hall. All right, brother. All right. right. Before we take our final break, let me remind you to support our sponsors. Please visit Ginger and Baker when they reopen. We'll let you know as soon as they do. And also, please, please support one of my other favorites, Mighty River Brewing Company. Like many small businesses, they've taken a hit. They're not able to have people in their tap room and their courtyard, which is freaking awesome. But they're trying to survive with to-go orders and delivery orders. So please support the Miller Brothers. Got incredible beers, my favorites. I love drinking the Cutlow Colch on a nice summer day. Uh, and then the 8% Pine View when I'm looking to tie one on. <laughs> Takes a few of the couple of those, two, two, three of those, and you're good. But visit Mighty River Brewing Company to check them out and uh, stop in to pick up a growler or a, a can and, and enjoy your weekend. Fellas, that was awesome. Let me, uh, let's Good stuff, man. Let's go Good stuff there. We'll have, a, we'll have a, a brief third segment here. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back, Ram Nation Radio. Joel Canalamessa, Mike Rowe, Joe Barron. That was great stuff with Darren Hall. Great to get his memories of that 1997 team. How he called it perfect. That was kind of cool. As well as his view on uh, that 1998 team and how it was disappointing. You know, he did say, Mike, that he was disappointed in losing to CU and Air Force in that otherwise fantastic 97 season. And I think for me, and you always say that's the best season. For me, that's why I waffle on it. Those two losses still kill me. And... And also, you know, yes, they reeled off 10 wins, which is impressive no matter what. But there were quite a few dog opponents in there. I think I went back and looked at the schedule. I think six of them didn't have winning records. So, um, no doubt, one of the top couple teams in CSU history. But uh, And winning the, bowl, the Holiday Bowl over Missouri was sweet. So, no doubt about it. But uh, just great to get his perspective. 
you know, it was it was interesting hearing about the 1998 team. You know, I, we, we, we talked about it in one of the earlier podcasts about that CU game. But it was almost exactly what we said when he was like, yeah, we went up 14-13 and thought we had it. And then it didn't go that way. But to hear him saying that there's just certain players that had like a wide-eyed look when they'd get in the huddle. They didn't have that leader like Moses to uh, to take him kind of that next level and how even at, at eight and four, which is I would do anything if CSU went eight and four right now, uh, was such a disappointment to him. And turned down a bowl game. Yeah, you know, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Yeah, I had never heard that before. That was interesting, huh? Yeah, we, we would take a bowl game right now. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't know about you. We, we've touched on this a little bit in the past, um, and it's pretty well known. Mike, you've talked about it. It does get frustrating to hear some of these former student-athletes who feel disconnected and disenchanted with the athletic department. I, I understand where they're coming from, and I, I know there's a lot of valid reasons why they're disappointed and frustrated. But there's also, I think, a few things that maybe aren't fair. One of the things, you know, just as an example, is Darren said, Joey Porter donated to the new locker room. You know, he should be on a coaching staff. Well, I, I understand where he's coming from, but just because you donate $400,000 for a new locker room doesn't mean you automatically get a spot on a coaching staff. But if you are interested in a job, assistant or head coach, he does deserve an interview. He's earned that. Absolutely. Money. Absolutely, man. So th those kind of things. Um, and I know the other piece of that is a lot of former players have been out of shape over – Tony Alford being passed over again. I don't think there's ever anything you can really do about that to appease them. Um, you know, I would have wouldn't have mind having Tony Alford as our coach either. But you know, when when your your guy is passed over, you're going to be upset, right? So all you can do, I think, on CSU's end, is just keep the lines of communication open with those guys when asked and answer honestly. Um, but I feel like some of these guys just feel like they're not being heard, and that's that to me is the biggest issue. They don't feel appreciated let, they're not being heard. Let me play devil's advocate here. If Joe Parker was not the AD and Jack Graham was still AD, do you think there would still have the, there'd still be that lingering thoughts or stuff going on? I don't know. I don't know if Again. Jack I don't know if Jack was any more aggressive with bridging relationships with former players. I really don't. I don't pretend to know who whose efforts are, are stronger there, but I think it goes beyond the athletic department as well. I mean, Darren referenced, you know, coaching staffs and, and this and that as well. Mike, were you going to say something? Well, you know, I, I, I brought this up with my wife about, you know, former players and, and Jack, when Jack was here, there was a, there was a, uh, seemed like there was a little bit more openness with bringing in former players and, and making those connections. But she, the first thing she pointed out was that was Deidre Church. You know, when she was just working in the athletic uh, department, she was the one that started getting the Rams legends for basketball and started having big, big weekends for that. When she transitioned over to football, that went away. Um, they still do a Rams legends game, but it's they walk them out at halftime and that's it. There's And they get two free drinks. <laughs> that's what they got this year, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and bad, then – uh, but then when she went over into McElwain's office, that's when you really start seeing a lot of former players on the sideline 
Uh, you used to have the games. And, and so, you know, it's almost like you need a dynamic person like that who's willing, willing to, to go out and engage with, with our former athletes. Yeah. That's a good point, Mike. I actually reached out to Joe several months ago um, on that very topic. And I said, I strongly, strongly believe that we need a position within the athletic department that is solely focused. The only job for that person is, is focused on fostering relationships with former student athletes. You reach out to them, you talk to them. When they contact you, you're the point of contact. You assist them with any of their needs, tickets, access, tours, whatever they want. Make sure that they have a voice. And you are also, that, that position is also responsible for hosting professional events that are done right. So that well-intentioned events like the 1994 team being honored is actually looked upon fondly and remembered fondly uh, rather than creating further frustrations that it wasn't necessarily done right in their opinion. So I think the CSU is putting in efforts, um, but for some reason they're falling short in the players' eyes. I think there's always seemingly going to be a disconnect between former student athletes in the athletic department. And I think sometimes the athletic department is going to get an unfair, bad rap. But when you've got a guy like Darren said, like Moses Moreno, who, who calls and asks for tickets to the Oregon State game in 2017, or he wants to stand on the sidelines, we should 100% be accommodating that, man. It, that's a simple way to make these guys feel appreciated. It costs us nothing. And beyond that, you know, us fans in the stands, it's a nice thing to see former greats on your sidelines or roaming the stadium. So yes. I, I really yes. disagree with that. You know, if there's a, I, yes, CSU does give passes. They do help student athletes. But I think there is – I don't know why there should ever be really a hesitancy to, to help out former athletes, no matter how much they ask. You know, they put their blood, sweat, and tears in. I think that I think it's the least that we can do. If they if they ask, find a solution, get them in the stadium, find a solution to make them feel appreciated. I don't think it's that hard. You know, we have to look at this as these guys are billboards for our athletic department, for our university. They're fresh in fans and alumni's memory from experiences that we've had at the stadium, uh, wins, losses, whatever, great moments. And as they graduate and go on to whatever their lives, if they've got a positive reflection on CSU, they're going to speak well on social media. They're going to speak well to the public and prospective other student athletes, prospective fans, prospective students. And I feel like we've got such great, dynamic, popular, good, smart, intelligent former student athletes out there that we're missing an opportunity on because they're disenchanted with the athletic department. And instead of speaking positively about the Rams on social media, they're, they're bashing. And that's why I, I feel so strongly that you have to put more of an emphasis, more of a focus on this particular audience and keep them happy. Uh, make them look back on CSU fondly because they are a walking advertisement for your university. You know, uh, earlier in this podcast, we talked about, we were talking about road trips I've been on. So I've been to about a dozen games in Wisconsin, probably about the same in Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota games, Notre Dame. And when I, when I travel to those places, every game they have on their jumbotron, the former players that are there. And they have kind of like a, certain area on the sideline and they ham it up for the camera and 
it's just the whole whole crowd makes them feel welcome. We don't do that. We don't. I, I, we we used to do it a little bit at Hughes, and we'd have the throwback player or whatever, and they'd show highlights. But that's since the new stadium. That I mean, that part's gone away. That's something easy, you know. Yeah. And going back to the uh, to the Hall of Fame, it's not just that '94 team. Like Jason Smith was honored, and again, he was just he. They all just walked out, and put their hand in the air, and walked back off. Ninety seconds. You know, this is arguably the greatest big man we've had. I mean, it, it, since I followed the team in the late 80s, early 90s, by far the best big man we've had. And we couldn't even show up highlights. I mean, the dude had a 10-plus career in the NBA. It's just it's, – it's stuff like that. I don't it's, – it's bothersome to me. But, you know, we met, when we met with Joe last year, I mean, he talked about it. You know, there's some – student athletes that just I don't they they just want 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 and you can't just give everything you got to take some stuff with a grain of salt but at the same time when you have people that want to come to games or from out of town that this is their one chance to come and they made major contributions to this program you gotta you gotta recognize them yeah, I'll defend Joe Parker I like him I think he's a good athletic director I think he's doing a lot of great things um, but this is one area that we just keep hearing about, and and I know it's a sensitive subject with his staff, probably. But there's got to be a way to fix it. I I, I hope it's an emphasis. Yeah. And, you know, and I pose the question not to. I, I like Joe Parker. You know, I think he's doing a great job. You know, just I think it's just a. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like it's like a tradition of not um, embracing our past. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when you go to games, and I hate to say it, you know, the Denzians here are going to get pissed off at me, but when you go to a game at CU, on their Jumbotron, you see Alfred Williams on the Jumbotron. You see some of those older guys, and there's and they still relate. You know, they, the people still know them. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it would CSU, kind of like the lack of uh, tradition. If you put somebody up on the screen, I wonder what kind of applause they would get. Would people be like, who the hell is that, right? I mean, there's only there's only like a um, a minority of us, you know, diehards, the Ram Nationers, who would know who, say, Greg Myers was, or um, you know, a Willie Taylor per se, or you know, whomever. I mean, I know everybody would know who a BVP would be, but you know, some of those other players who were who were very very uh, important to uh, the foundation of CSU football. You know, even if Brady Smith, when he was back on campus, when he was, uh, I guess he spoke to the team. When Mac, when McElwain was coach, but like imagine if like Brady Smith's, uh, you know, if he was put up on the Diamond Vision and everybody was, it was kind of like you know, not hard, not hard to clapping. put a caption <laughs> along with the picture, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right, you're right. But you know, I just, uh, I don't know, it just seems like it's a tradition of failing to recognize that '94 team and some of the other good teams and some of the, you know, stellar players that have come through here. It's just well, uh, it's a, it's just an, we don't have head. a lot of historic we don't have a lot of tradition in general i mean you look at what's our ring of fame we have three guys but you so you know one thing that you just brought up like say that we don't have history we don't have history and, and you're right there, i mean it's it's sparse but again when i go to these other stadiums they have gators in the nfl and so they show highlights from all the players that happened that week or or since the last home game of what they've done in the NFL. 
I mean, we had we had four receivers last year from CSU yeah. that caught touchdowns. Yeah, good point. I mean, heck, five if you count Sombralo <laughs> with with his. And was that ever shown? Did we do we have anything Rams in the NFL? No. We we, we do we do up in the um, in that hallway the, going the into player the stadium, lounge right? area. Uh, there's a whole. It's a pretty cool little display. It's got helmets of every NFL team, and then a plaque with the player that was represented, uh, former player. But it's not in a public area where fans can see it. And you know, this is one is one example of we need to be better about tying back to our our history. And at least at least the elite players that have come through here, there's a handful that certainly would deserve to be in a ring of fame type of thing, whether it's on the stadium or somewhere in the stadium where you could go check out your history, you know, whether it's in a concourse or, or whatever. Um, I, it's just an example of, of us just not doing a real good job of, of honoring the past. And we need, to, we need to be better for sure. You know, I, I think if it was just a couple guys that were complaining about this, you know, you could probably brush it off, but I, there, there's a lot and there's some, very prominent ones as well. And to me, it's just disappointing. I think damage has been done, but it can be corrected. And we'll have to have Joe Parker on uh, one of these weeks and let him express his viewpoints and kind of counter some of this and, and just see what CSU yeah, is doing yeah, to, to, uh, to handle it. Um, but by the way, we're going to have a, a great chance to ask more former players about their memories at CSU next week. Uh, it's going to be an epic oh, show, man. Uh, several players wait. from the mid-90s. They're going to join us all at once on a group Zoom call. Garrett Sand, linebacker who uh, caused the fumble against Arizona that Sean Moran. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Arizona. baby. Sean Moran is going to be on. Former long snapper linebacker Mitch Palmer is going to be on. Former defensive lineman Kirk Bowman. And then offensive former offensive lineman James Craig, who is uh, the current LSU offensive line coach. So all these guys, uh, it's, it's an honor to have them on. I just dropped my pants and fired a rocket. Look at that. Oh, uh, make me hey, that's a Don Rickles statement. He can say it on the Tonight Show. I can say it online here. Okay, but no, that's a, that's a great people listening have zero clue who Don Rickles. Yeah, we'll go YouTube them. You'll <laughs> laugh your ass off. No, great job, Joel, in getting all those people together. I'm very excited. I'm about Wait, to run through my screen door, my patio door. You that's know you and you. Remember, remember a couple weeks ago, you said the number one guy in your heart at CSU is Garrett Sands. So your, Garrett your Sands, goodwill he's, he's, has, has paid off. He's, he's one, one of those players. He never the got the accolades, but he was always in the trenches busting his ass. Flagpole, baby, the flagpole drill. You got to talk to the boys about the flagpole at CSU. All right. Make notes. Don't forget. That's going to be awesome. So make sure you, you tune in next week. Uh, one thing we did touch on briefly in the first segment, Mike, Joe, I don't know if you were on yet at that point, but – um, is the, the uncertainty over what will happen if the California schools are unable to host their games in their stadiums or even play this fall. <laughs> Same thing with the state of Oregon saying that they're not allowing crowds through the end of September. And we're supposed to play in Corvallis, play the Beavers uh, on September 12th. So I, what will happen? Are they just going to cancel that game? Or are they going to play there without fans? Would they agree to come play in Fort Collins instead? A lot of different scenarios. Um, I don't know. I don't even know which one I would prefer. I would. I saw some guy. I saw Ram. I am a longtime Ram Nationer. Say he just booked a Airbnb in Corvallis for the game. But I'm. Is I guess he's hoping that the governor is going to change his mind and allow crowds at that point. 
Yeah, we have we have flights. We have our Airbnb. That's our that's the weekend of our fifth anniversary. So we but we're canceling everything. I I just don't see, especially oh, on the what? west coast. On the west coast, I just don't see it happening. You know, I think the the division two schools have already announced that they will not be playing sports in California this fall. You know, I just don't see how you could not open up campus, but then allow games. So I want to get your opinion because someone posted on the board a couple of days ago, a survey that I don't know where it was published. It was in some, some sort of online publication, but it basically asked the audience, would you, if the restrictions were lifted today, would you attend a sporting event? And you got to take these numbers with a grain of salt because admittedly in the article it mentioned that these are people that some of these responders were not people that normally attend a sporting event anyway. Um, but it was a, my, a very small amount that said, absolutely, I would go. And then all the way down to the number of people that wouldn't go, there were, I think it was 56% that said they were <clears throat> unlikely to, to go. So, and Mike, you, you were one that said that you would not be going if, if things were cleared today. No, not at all. You know, for me, you know, I got a young daughter and, and there just seems to kind of be more and more instances where, where young children are, are getting sick from this. I don't, I don't want to risk that just so I can go have a few pops and hang out with my, my friends, you know. And, you know, I'm eating like 20 Rockies tickets right now. 20 Rockies games, my Rapids games, some Avalanche games that we had tickets for. I was hoping to get over to England for a Derby County match right now, but, you know, it's not worth it. This kind of stuff, is, it's just not worth it. And, and until there's, for me, until there's a working vaccine and, I don't know, more return to, to normal, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I just wonder how things are going to be. I mean, some of these decisions are being made four months in advance. I think things could change quite a bit in the next couple months, although the, there's there's the train of thought that there's going to be another wave in the fall, even if things do keep improving as they are. So I don't know, man. It is uh, it is a major bummer, especially with CU coming to town. I, I hope that there's going to be a football game with fans. Um, it's the game that I live for every year. So to me, that's difficult. Um, if well, things... what, what's your answer to this, Joel? And what, Joey? What's your, yeah, well, what's your, yeah what, I mean, I was going to ask, what, what's your guys' thoughts on, okay, they play the games, but just with no fans. I don't like that, but what's your thoughts on that? I mean, we can watch it on TV I, or... I can't imagine you know, have, not being at that game. I just oh, I know. Right. No, I know. But I just, do you think that's an option for like CU, CSU or, or any of these other California schools? I don't It sounds like no for California schools, but... Um, I mean, so that, I, I just read an article. I just read an article yesterday um, when the Bundesliga, which is is German soccer, they're starting on Saturday uh, with no fans. They're going to play the rest of the season with no fans at their top two levels of uh, of soccer. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. Twenty six of the MLB teams were on with them. Most of the NHL owners were on uh, their meeting and. I think some of the bigger bigger uh, people in the NCAA were on there because they're they want to know how they're doing it, what precautions they're taking for the players, and then just how it works. So I think 
starting this weekend, you're, we're going to be able to see what it's going to look like and what the NFL and NBA and NHL and, and MLB is going to look like for us. You asked me if I would go. Maybe it's selfish of me. For sure it's selfish of me. But for that CU game, I, I would be there. Uh, if things weren't better, would I go to Las Vegas and watch us play at the new stadium? As much as I'm planning on doing that and can't wait for that, I'm not sure that I would go that far. And you know, traveling and, and attending a game that is less exciting than the rivalry with CU here in our, our own stadium. But I don't know. I, I just think still we're four months away. Let's let things play out before we make these rash decisions. There's a lot of things though to, to work out. You know, as we said, one of the things I was thinking about, you know, if if the CSU-Oregon State game can't be played for whatever reason due to the state of Oregon's restrictions and California schools are not allowing football, how about this idea? So, as I said, CSU plays Oregon State on September 12th. Well, that same day, CU is scheduled to play Fresno State. So if they can't play that game, what if we just scheduled another game with CU and we did a home-and-home? Back-to-back home, games. Back-to-back back games, home-and-home. Home. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be that really, would be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a weird season for sure. I, I did see the uh, the MAC is eliminating postseason tournaments already in baseball, softball, men's and women's soccer, tennis, lacrosse, field hockey, all all those Olympic sports, um, and they're doing away with all first round home games in the basketball tournaments. So they're just oh, wow. going to, they're just going to advance the top, or whatever six eight teams whatever uh, to to the tournament, and I don't know really what that accomplishes. I don't know if I think it's a, maybe it's a financial issue, but if, if I am a prospective student athlete, I'm probably not thinking about going to the Mac, you know, with, with how the, these changes are happening, but it's, it's wreaking havoc across the, the country. I mean, it's, it's just like <laughs> with all the reopening and the States that are the States that aren't, <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly think you're going to see in the South, they're going to be more, more willing to open up just like they are right now uh, yeah. compared to the West Coast where everyone still wants to lock everything down and I don't I don't know yeah it's 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 definitely a, a different time well boys we've uh, this was a great Good job this today. week Joel great show this week hi great to the show. little Kenoa Mesa there on the zoom it's a good-looking uh, Good looking mop of red hair that kid has, huh? I think that's just the lighting. I don't know if it's red. Unless, oh. unless Joe, have you, uh, you've, you've been there? <laughs> Where were you in Parker about no, no, no. 15 months ago? <laughs> ago? I didn't deliver any milk. I didn't. I wasn't the FedEx guy around that time, though. Right. Well, great, great talk today. Uh, thank you, boys, for being on. Awesome. I want to thank Darren Hall yeah, for also coming it. on. Darren was great. Yeah, awesome job by Huge Darren thing. Hall, man. Can't wait for Huge next week as well. Darren. Appreciate all the listeners' support and the, and the feedback and the, and the emails we're getting. My son's melting down here. Um, thanks to Ginger Baker and Mighty River Brewing Company. Appreciate y'all listening. Make sure you tune in for Garrett Sands, Sean Moran, Mitch Palmer, Kirk Bowman, James Craig. Uh, it's going to be an awesome week. Another shout out to Malort. Malort. All right, boys. All right, Take boys. care, Denzians. Go Rams. All right, peace. Go Rams.